This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome to everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. As always, I'm joined by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day outside. Can't complain. Yeah, weather in Columbus is taking a turn in the right direction, finally. We, we complained about it last week because it was kind of inconsistent, like teasing us with the summer weather. Like, is it spring still? Why is it raining so much? And now we're here. And now I'm like, hey, man, it's too hot outside. Like, let's cool it down a little <laughs> bit. I I have never been a it's too hot person, largely just because I believe you have to pick a struggle. And I hate winter so much that it's like I will do. It does not matter how hot it is outside. I will be OK. Um, get it. I, I will get a personal fan if I have to throw on some AC. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely prefer the warm weather to like the gross, like, like sleety snow that comes in Columbus for like five consecutive months on and off. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely ready here. Summer's out. Went to a Clippers game this week. It was the weather was awesome. Uh, that's I mean, baseball season's here and that's like it's getting into full swing. That's how you know it's starting to warm up. Uh, the NBA playoffs are really deep into that uh so you know it's starting to get warm because they play basketball into the summer uh for some odd reason might be one of the yeah most questionable business decisions i think in the sports world like at least with like major league baseball like 
they've done it for so long in like October and like that first week of November is still like, oh, this is like when baseball is meaningful. But like playing yeah. basketball into June, like even like after the NBA had to go into the bubble and finish their season out, I'm like, you know what? We really actually worked out far away from the actual end of the season. And this is the middle of summer and they're playing basketball. Like what is going on? Yeah. I don't mind them playing basketball in June. I just think that they should pick a year. Yeah. Like football technically crosses two years, but it's the playoffs. It's like a month or so. Like it yeah. ends the, like the first fucking weekend in February. It got pushed back a little bit for the Pro Bowl because nobody cared about it when it was after. But it's like football is relatively a one year thing. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent. Baseball one year. The whole it's the twenty twenty. You know, like you know. Yeah. So the NBA is the same. WNBA is the same. Like, why does your season start in October and go to June? It needs to be shortened in general. But if that's the case, just start it in January around the time college basketball starts and go through however long you want the season to be and then end it and then take four months off, however long. But like, just it doesn't need yeah, to like, straddle you. If it went to start from February to August, I'd even be like, OK, cool. We're still in basketball season. Whatever. But it's still starts, too long. But it's like, Halloween. You know, whatever. Uh, it has like a two month window where it's by itself. So, like, are we really like complaining about like you're competing with the NFL and baseball. Like, come on. Like, we know the deal. Like, the NBA has its audience. It's going to get its numbers. And just just make it less time and a more uh, – a schedule that makes more sense. Yeah, but a lot of times football fans are also basketball fans if they're casual. Not every baseball fan is a fan of the other. Like baseball has a specific population. So going up against baseball is not that bad. But why are you in the middle of the NFL season? Yeah. Like that is a business and college football. That is a business model I would not support. The longest, like, what what do they say? Like basketball season. uh, God, I totally forgot it. Uh, But it starts on Christmas Day. Like that's when most people like unless you're a diehard NBA fan, like the NBA doesn't start for you until Christmas Day at the earliest. And, yeah, and for me it doesn't start until after the Super Bowl. Yeah, for me this year it didn't really start till the All Star break. Yeah. But like if you wanted if you wanted to keep if you wanted to keep Christmas, that's perfectly fine. You can start on Christmas, have a couple of games here or there, and, and that's essentially Dece- that's essentially January, which is what I'm telling yeah. you to start. It's just a week. So if you want to start on Christmas, that's fine. Have your best games, have your ring reveal, all that kind of stuff on Christmas, and then go until however long you want the season to go. But there's yeah. no reason for it to start in the middle of football season. For right. sure. And you'd get, a, you'd get a more momentous jump from the start because, like – you're competing against less because college football is ending at that first week of January. It's pretty much done by the time you get to Christmas Day. And you've got one big weekend left of college football, and you're really not competing with that. And then you're just competing with the NFL, which is just on the weekends by that time, like Saturday, yep. Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is why Adam Silver needs to hire us as consultants to make the NBA better. Honestly, and I'm not even sure he needs to hire us. I'm sure there are other people who have voiced this, but you can definitely hire us and let us explain all the reasons. I, we're not going to have the data, but who cares about data? We're just going to be convincing. Yeah. And we're going to explain to you why you don't need to do it. And it's just, I, I, it just seems like such an easy idea to me. That it's and, crazy that they don't do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
they don't like money. And even with basketball fans, because their off season is so short, and you have the Olympics and things like that, it's like they um, there's basketball fatigue until later. Yeah, because it ends in July and then it starts in September, and it's like you get it's two months off. Yeah, for sure. This is this is Buck Off, the NBA podcast. You guys came yeah. here for. We yeah. are uh, we're transitioning. Actually, uh, we're going to change the name to Buckets Off, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but we yeah. know why, why? We, we know why you guys are here, though. We do. We we just had to it's vent. Football. We had to vent a little bit. <laughs> Last thing I got to say about basketball is half the reason they don't want to move is because of the Olympics, which is dumb because that happens every four years. But you could literally have a season that started in December like, and ended in June. <laughs> hockey literally has like an Olympic break. Yeah, or just do that. But like you could just make the season six months. Yeah. You can have a full season in six months. Ask all the other sports but baseball. Like, oh, like, you right. can do it. Like to put this out there, would you rather watch All-Star Weekend or Olympic basketball one year every four years? Olympic basketball, probably. That's what I take too. I think yeah. it's a more yeah. It's what it's much more also, serious. A joke. Yeah. So I think that would be something they should look into as well. Uh, so Adam Just Silver, hire. that's our wish list uh, from the Book Off podcast uh, for Ohio State fans, but for NBA fans as well because we're here for the people. Of course. So let, let's let's get into what the people are here for, which is. Ohio State football. Yeah, Ryan Day. Let's start with him. Uh, and we're, we're going to give a, a special coach who doesn't get enough love and respect, some love and respect today because he deserves it. But on the show, I mean, we've got we've got tons of recruiting stuff today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, one of the better articles I've seen in a while from a college football writer. You know, getting into May, we're going to start seeing – some stuff thrown at the wall. Uh, we're going to talk about what I wrote about this week, and we're going to talk about some other fun stuff at the end of the show as well. But let, let's get started. So uh, we're obviously going to be the last ones to this news, so we're not breaking this news to you at all. But surprise, surprise, Ohio State landed another five-star quarterback. Uh, the, number, the number one player, according to – um, 24-7 sports' is owned rankings, uh, like the number eight player in the country according to their composite ranking, which, as we know, gets updated quite frequently. So it's definitely not done yet. Uh, 2024 is a while away. But this is an incredible step in a direction that a lot of people were – I don't think anyone was worried. I think everyone kind of really trusted Ryan Day and the offensive staff in quarterback recruiting, but, you know, to land the 2024 quarterback that's arguably the best in the country this early sets incredible momentum forward. Just kind of listening around to people who are higher-level recruiting experts than me, they don't think this should scare off um, 2023 commits, but they also don't know if this is a year that Ohio State's taking a 2023 commit unless it's the right fit. So, I mean, first, let's go back. Let's take our initial thoughts. You know, a lot of people complained. Dylan Rayola, Whitey committed at 11 o'clock. Stop being selfish, East Coast time people. He's from the West Coast. That's why he wanted to do it at his church. Got to respect it. Uh, I was excited. I was ecstatic once I got the news. Uh, Anytime Ohio State lands a quarterback, it makes me happy. Yeah, 100%. And also, like, 
what does it matter? <laughs> like, um, it's it's like I don't know. Except maybe for reporters, it may suck. But in general, it's like these kids committing doesn't really do anything individually for your life. So like, why does it need to be at six p.m.? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it made sense. He he's a he's West Coast time, and he didn't want to wake up at six o'clock in the morning to get it done at nine our time. Uh, anyone who goes to church knows that churches have things to do. So he's in school. His parents work. His family needed to get there. That kind of stuff. So eight p.m. is is not outrageous yeah. uh, like, for what they were trying to do. It looked like a really fun social event for him and his friends, his teammates, his coaches, his family. Everybody was there. I mean, everyone yeah. who knows about those types of events like knows take some time to get there. But uh, did you get a chance to watch his highlight tape? Yeah, I've actually seen a little bit of it. Dude, he's, he's a stud. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, just... like, it feels like every time I watch one of these high school highlight tapes, it's like every year the players get just like incrementally better. And I think that's the same with the quarterbacks that Ohio State's recruited. Yeah, and it's it's because of – all these quarterback camps and individual coaches and gurus and things like that. Like if you, I I will tell you this right now, if you think your son is going to have the height, meaning over six foot, if he's not going to be six foot, just stop it. I know we have a bunch of shorter quarterbacks, but just honestly, just stop it. If he's going to be six, yeah. If you think that your, your son is going to be there because you're there or for whatever reason, or the doctor told you that, Get him into football, scrunch around some money, if that's the right word. Get him a quarterback coach because you can build your son into a starting NFL quarterback. All you need is the height, and it seems like the money to pay for it. Obviously, yeah. you know, there's some got to be a natural athlete, that kind of stuff, whatever. But if yeah. you think they're going to have the height and you've been training them since they were freaking six, they can throw the ball. Like, you know, so, yeah, I think that. Obviously, that's very expensive, but that's what it is. It's, it's these parents. They identify that their kids are good. They, for whatever reason, chose the quarterback position, and then they just go all in. They go all yeah. in the the camps, the training, the this, the that, all that other kind of stuff. Even just like the drills you can find on YouTube, just that commitment. And it's just they're turning into high level players, and then it's just about you know like refining them little things it's not teaching them the game anymore mm-hmm. uh, they know the game they know how to read coverages they know all this other kind of stuff like yeah absolutely now it's just refining it like i remember a long time like it wasn't even really that long ago but like you maybe even 10 years ago you'd go from high school to college and there'd be this huge learning gap and that's why it was such like an automatic that quarterbacks weren't going to play as freshmen but like when I was doing my article, there's so many NFL coaches or former NFL players that are high school coaches now that coach these elite level quarterbacks and they come to Ohio state and they already have uh, pro football. Like usually ba- like brought down to a high school level, but they already have a minor understanding of pro level concepts to an extent that people didn't have 10 years ago. Like, yeah, it really has changed just kind of the way quarterbacks develop. Now, everyone, every person in a major city knows there's a quarterback coach somewhere who's developing high level quarterbacks. And like you said, there's a baseline to it. Like you're not just going to start working with a quarterback coach and become a five star prospect. Like there has to be some semblance of God given ability. And then you take it to the next level with your training acumen and stuff. 
But Rayola, to me, like he's big. He is already. Let me see. I've got it. I've got it pulled up right here. Uh, the heights and weights of these guys. Rayola is 6'3", 225 pounds, and he's class of 2024, which means he's a rising junior. Yeah. So he's got a whole nother year to mature. He like moves as well as Devin Brown, who I think probably moves the best, like looking at their highlight tapes, move the best through off platform, the best. He does all that. Well, he looks as big as Jack Miller in the pocket. Cause Jack Miller was the biggest quarterback. I think Ryan days recruited. Um, now it's Rayola. So really like if you take all the quarterbacks that, Ryan Day's recruited from C.J. Stroud to Jack Miller to Kyle McCord to Devin Brown and mold them into one guy and still in Rayola. And that's kind of what I saw in the film that I watched. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I I want to be careful with um, comparing people. He, We're not saying, and not yeah, yeah. we because I'm not the one that said it, we're not saying that he's Patrick Mahomes. But people are saying Say, is yeah. he has built – like Patrick Mahomes, as in he's tall with like a really big strong base. frame, big legs. Like it's going to be hard to take him down. Please do not hear D- Dylan, you know, the Buck Off pod said Dylan Rayola is Patrick Mahomes. That is not what we're saying. Yeah. But he he's built like that in that mold. Really big, strong, tough Sturdy guy. Kid. And Justin Fields type of size. Yeah, and that's kind of important because a lot of these quarterbacks are tall and skinny. Like you mentioned it in your article, C.J. Stroud was tall and skinny, and then he put on weight. He's not going to have to put on weight. He's just going to have to put on muscle because, you know, I mean, he's 17 or whatever, but he's still got a little baby fat. Everyone does. until they, like it, you're not, You don't have the same body at 20 that you did at 17, especially once you get into Ohio State's weight program. But like, he's not going to have to spend his first year to trying to put on weight. It's just going to be getting in shape, learning the offense, different things like that. So that's major. I mean, being 6'3", 225 at 16, 17, it's a little nuts, honestly. Yeah, it, I mean, when I, I, I knew he was big, and then I looked it up, and I'm like, yo, no, he's like, he's legit. He's legit that size. Like, even when you look at him, because like, offensive linemen are the ones who are known for, like, putting that 15, 20 pounds on their weight. Quarterbacks are usually pretty generous with themselves, like 10 to 15 pounds. But, like, just seeing him on the field with all his teammates, like, this guy is large. Yeah, he is all of 6'3", 225. Like, they're not hiding anything. By the time he's at Ohio State, he'll probably be 6'3", 240 pounds, but not in, like, a way that you're like, oh, that's Ben Roethlisberger. That's not what we want. That is not what we're talking about here. Like, He's just an incredibly built quarterback. Yeah, and that's kind of what happens when your dad's an offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, like, we just got to talk about it because no one in the nation believed that he was going to Nebraska. Not a single person. and if you don't stay up on the recruiting, we'll, I'll just explain it really quickly. If you don't understand, he his dad is Dominic Rayola, who is an all. I actually found out something new about him. He is one of the best players in Nebraska history. He was the first person ever to win the the Remington Award trophy, which goes to the best center in the country. His jersey's retired um, uh, at Nebraska. He's. I don't know how the College Football Hall of Fame works, especially for linemen, but he probably should be in the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, like 
a 12 to 14 year NFL vet yeah. uh, as at center. Like, dude's a stud. Like, he's he's in the top 1%. You know, maybe top 3%. Because maybe the top 1% is Hall of Famers, and I don't know if he was that good. But a 14 year career in the NFL at offensive line yeah, is the absolutely. top 3% of all people in the freaking nation. Um, and he, and his brother, who I don't know how good of a of an athlete his brother is talking about the dad so Dylan's uncle is the current offensive line coach at, at Nebraska. Nebraska and uh, they probably should have already done this and they probably did it to win his affection but Dylan was there when they retired his dad's jersey right they did that whole ceremony they he gave, went to the spring game like, they gave him the entire I you know the red carpet laid out for like a good player, you know, but they took that yeah. so many more levels, like, mm-hmm. and they still didn't close. Yeah, I mean, and, and like honestly, his dad should have already had his number retired if that's something your program does. Yeah, but how smart is it to be like we should have done this, but now he has a five-star quarterback son who's considering us. Let's do it when he's on a visit. Like, let's make that a reason for them to come to Nebraska and and really sell him on the program, the family. His uncle's here again, like that that connection, like so many reasons. And everyone's like, yeah, but it's Nebraska. But like, there are so many people who choose schools based on legacy. Like, sure. it just happens. I mean, there are players at Ohio State as like preferred walk-ons and things like that who probably could play at Kent State or some other places, at D2, whatever, and actually get some playing time, but they're at Ohio State because of legacy. I mean, I'm not trying to belittle anyone, but we don't know if Will Smith is ever going to see the field. He's a good enough athlete to see the field at other places, but he's coming to Ohio State a lot of off of legacy. So it would not have been outside the norm for Dylan to choose Nebraska, who's, like you said, has redefined the red carpet. Dad is historian there, is historic there. His uncle works there, like... And who knows? His uncle's new there. Who who's to say they didn't hire his uncle to try to get him? I think this is his first year. Like obviously he's in the coaching profession, but I think this is his first year at Nebraska. So yeah, um, there's like a lot of math that obviously goes into it. Like obviously Nebraska not being great first and foremost. Um, Right. Second, like Scott Frost's future every single year is in incredible jeopardy. (laughs) Um, Hard to recruit when what they did to. What they did to Cam Martinez. Yeah. Who, yes, he had every chance to be good, but they never developed him is what oh, I mean. Adrian, yeah. Adrian, what did I say? Cam, yeah, Cam is yeah. in Ohio State. Adrian Martinez, my fault. Yeah, so it really it it is awesome. I mean, Nebraska, I think USC was someone who was considered a player in it, uh, but it was immediately after uh, his visit. And like you even said, you thought he's silent committed after that. Uh, but it, it really was like once he visited Ohio State, saw everything at the spring game, it was pretty full force on him coming and committing like really yeah. right after. And a couple of people had said a couple of things because he, he he's not old enough to take an official visit yet. Yeah. But he'd been to Ohio State two or three times. So his parents were paying for it out of pocket, which, hey, benefit to being an ex-NFL player. You can do that. Like, yep. you, you can just up and fly from Arizona to Ohio State as many, as many times as you want to. Um, but, yeah, so it's just like there was a lot of a lot of things 
you know, leading Ohio State's way. And there will always be things leading Ohio State's way for any star quarterback that Ohio State's going after. But Nebraska genuinely had a chance because from everything you hear, he genuinely gave them a chance. He didn't, it wasn't, you know, fake service and they couldn't, they couldn't clear it, which I mean, hey, Another reason to fire Scott Frost, I'll never stop saying it unless he wins the Big Ten, which isn't going to happen. So Even if he makes the Big Ten championship, but yeah, yeah. But it's just like, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's huge for Ohio State. And it's and to get kind of back into recruiting and Dylan, it's huge for Ohio State for another reason, because now they don't have to force a guy, right? Yeah. You still want to take a guy in 2023. Especially because a scenario that could play out is CJ Stroud goes to the NFL. If Devin Brown wins the quarterback job, you're Kyle very thin in the room. Yeah, yeah. And if and if Kyle McCord transfer wins the job, Devin Brown could transfer. You hope that he stays because it's only his yeah. second year, and Kyle McCord could be a one and done kind of guy because he'll be draft eligible. But you don't know that for sure, so you do probably want a guy in 2023, but you don't have to force it. And, and we talked about that before on the show. We were looking at the guys in this class, and none of them we'd seemed really high. Most of them are already committed, and as you can uh, uh, as you can elaborate on based on your story. Ohio State looks for they quarterbacks in a certain mold, and most of the quarterbacks aren't in that mold. Honestly, like we yeah, went through it, we did. And I like I don't remember what name we landed on, but it was like 10, 15 quarterbacks in before I found a quarterback that, that fits the you know, physical I'm, I'm, size mold. Yeah, yeah. It, and so it's like, yeah, it allows them to uh, be selective. Um, even if you take a guy who's a little less heralded and like, but has a lot of raw natural tools, like, and you are realistic with them and you say, Hey, we've got a plan for you. Like if you do this, this, and this, like, yes, we've got Dylan Rayola come in, but we could see a plan where you're in your fourth, fifth year and you've got a real shot or you come in three years, get developed transfer. You know, there's a real plan either way for that guy. The the Joe Burrow thing. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things yeah. that you can do. With, um, yeah, and you know, like you brought it up. There's a special type, and we've talked about this a bunch. Like that six two, six three, like two hundred to two hundred twenty pounds. Like there, there's a specific build, and like I brought. I mean, I brought them up. Like the last three quarterbacks. Let me see the average uh, height. Uh, was like six three, like two hundred eighteen pounds. Was like the combined average or something along those lines. Yeah, uh, something like that. Six foot and three, two hundred eight pounds was the average size of all the quarterbacks coming in. And I think that's a that I think that is dropped because Stroud and Devin Brown came in under two hundred pounds. Yeah, but as you mentioned, CJ Stroud's at two eighteen. Yeah, so like if you looked at their playing weights. It would be 6'3", 215, 218, something like that. Yeah, would we be should see Devin Brown probably grow into that a little. Like, Devin Brown and CJ Stroud, like, physically were identical coming out of high school. Yeah. Uh, and you've and got so it's like – Jack, who was 6'4", 210. You've got uh, Quinn Ewers. Yes, we're still counting him, 6'3", 206. Now you've got Dylan Rayola, 6'3", 225. So he's on the hot, heavier side, so he brings it up a little bit. But – his goal, like bringing in quarterbacks, you can tell, is to have that nice height, see over the line. I know that's like an old thing. Like a lot of people are like short quarterbacks can see just fine now with lanes and stuff, whatever. No, they can't. They can't. It's a I lot. Mean, they, it's it's they a lot. Can't. It, like, we talked about this. 
on the I-70 football show. So if you listen to this one, listen to that one, please. We actually did talk about quarterbacks. Um, and so I, and I listen to a lot of NFL podcasts, different things like that. There's only been one quarterback in NFL history, at least recent history, that has actually been successful in the pocket as a pocket passer that's been short. Exclusively, right, yeah. Because um, Russell Wilson, his he's effective outside the pocket. We saw what happened to Baker Mayfield. We saw what's going on with Kyler Murray. Like none of the shorter guys are really like. Yeah. None of them are really doing it. Like and you all the at, guys you think of are tall. Like you look it's at just these Ohio State recruits. They're all very much in that NFL prototypical like height and weight that you'd want already coming out of high school. Then you get them yeah, up a little more. There or you know you can get there. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. And then on top of the size, like I went through it and the types of offense these guys played in, like Corner Canyon where Devin Brown went, put Jackson Dart, a five-star quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson, who was a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So they're a quarterback factory now. Uh, you got Devin Brown, same. He went played for Joe Germain in Arizona, who ran the pro-style offense from the Rams. Dylan Rayola played in Texas uh, at Burleson High School under John Kitna, who was a like 15-year NFL player at quarterback, so he's got tons of tricks up his sleeve. Jack Miller's high school coach got the job at like 31 because of his acumen with modern offenses. Like just looking into this type of stuff, it is crazy. Like the level of coaching these kids are getting and Mm -hmm. looking at all of them, you go down the list. They've all worked with an elite level quarterback coach. They've all been elite 11 guys, Dylan Rayola, not yet, but he will be. Um, and they've worked with guys like Trent Dilfer, professional quarterback coaches, uh, all that long list of stuff just to refine their game. And this is the type of stuff where they're not obviously fully paying for it, some of them. They're going and getting to work with these guys because of the level they are. And, like, long term, those guys are going to want them to be there. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've heard some I've heard some of the uh, some of the quarterback coaches say that, like, they make decent money. So sometimes for the kids who can't pay for it, they'll do it for free yeah. or for really cheap because they're not trying to be elitist um, and different things like that, because it can be very expensive. If you have the athletic, I don't know where it's at. I don't know the name of it, but can try to Google it. There is an article about how much it costs to raise a, a quarterback and the different travel and things like that. It was actually yeah. really good. It's from like last summer or something. I remember. Um, but the, I think the thing is, and one of the things that college coaches who are open and honest talk about, they like quarterback coaches, especially the, the especially the popular ones like Avery, Wilson yeah, Quincy is Avery, like Quincy Avery, George like those guys, Field's like a big one. Yep. Uh, the reason why they like those guys is because those guys don't teach the players what they want them to know. They go get the players' playbook from whatever school or NFL team they work on, and they teach them that. And a lot of times, college coaches, and they'll tell you this, the ones that are honest, they don't have time to teach you how to play football anymore. Yeah, they can't teach you You the footwork, the arm placement, that type of stuff. It's insane. They Uh, teach you the offense, and they teach you to get to an elite level, but they can't teach you the basics. And that's where these quarterback coaches come in because – I think it was Zach Wilson was talking about it. He would drive hours. Yeah. Because he, he went to whatever he went to, but he would his quarterback coach was in 
California. He would drive hours to go to his quarterback coach. And it's like, they're the ones that's teaching you the fundamentals. If you need to change your arm motion, it's not Ryan Day. It's your off-season quarterback coach. If you need to work on your footwork, it's that person. Because in college, you're doing the drills and you're learning the offense, but they don't have time to narrow. And you have to do thousands of reps for something to become a habit, especially if you're changing something. So these quarterback coaches are... And now, and now they've seen what works, right? They saw what, like, uh, um, would you say his name was Quincy Avery, right? Yeah. Like, he's put multiple quarterbacks in the NFL, right? He's worked the, with like, Justin so Fields now, and Dwayne Haskins. So it's like, now, not only do they have reputation because you put these quarterbacks in the NFL, right? You get these wide receivers to come work out with these quarterbacks. You have the good reputation, but you also get to hear what the quarterbacks are saying. Zach Wilson's quarterback coach got hired by the Jets midseason just to work with Zach Wilson. And it wasn't a full-time job, but like that's how reputable these people are becoming. And so you want to get your kids there, and they're learning – what NFL teams want as well, right? Like, because they may think they know, but, you know, they're learning new things because now they're being reputable. Now they're getting NFL playbooks and they're getting to talk to coaches. And now there's all these conferences and things like that. So they're just getting this wealth of knowledge and they're just imparting it on these 16-year-olds. Yeah, 100%. Or they go to college and just, they get it. They get it. And that's that's a huge psych. The private quarterback coaching is another huge step in the right direction for like, I remember uh, like a few months ago, there was a story about Drew Aller's quarterback coach and he works with Ryan Montgomery now. Uh, And Drew Aller was a very raw, like big armed kid, but there was so much inconsistency because, you know, when you're six, four and you're 16 years old, you don't really have the, you know, have the, you, you don't have your body down yet. Like it's hard to do. You're very cumbersome everything's kind of work, figuring out how to work together and his coach really helped him get there. And now you watch him throw, everything's smooth, everything's refined. And, you know, that repetition translates to games over time, but um, it really is in insane how much these quarterbacks have evolved, how much the coaching outside of what you're getting in practice has evolved. And it really is, um, uh, something to look at for sure and all these quarterbacks come from backgrounds that are extremely i'm trying to think of the right word here like football forward honestly like they are ready to roll the minute they get to ohio state all of them yeah and and i'm glad that you mentioned ryan montgomery because he's 2025 so first of all he's 6'3 200 pounds already yeah and, and he's going into a sophomore year that's just absolutely ridiculous. we've also seen his brother um, and what he grew into so there yeah. is room so the, the the thing that's interesting about ryan and just the ohio state as a whole and the importance of getting dylan if ryan is actually good which I think he is because he's already gotten Ohio State offer, I believe. But if he's actually good, and I'm talking about top five, top ten quarterback in the country, there is – I'm giving it 0.85% chance Ohio State lets him get out of Ohio. So now you're looking at it, especially if he's a five-star. So now you're looking at it. You get your guy in 2024. And not that you're guaranteed because you have to earn it, but you're as close to guaranteed as possible to get the guy in 2025. So it's like your quarterback factory is, it's just running. It's just running. It's just running. Now you're just waiting on the 2026 kid to identify. You get the guy in 2023 or you don't, whatever you have your 2024 guy. And 
Ohio State, Ohio doesn't get quarterbacks like this all the time. You have the guy, and that's probably why they're on him so early because Ohio doesn't get quarterbacks like that. And you can say whatever you want to about Drew Aller. They didn't go after him. I think I know yeah. why they didn't go after him. Um, personally, just my opinion, but they didn't go after him. But Ohio State, if Ryan is the guy that people are saying he's going to be, they're not letting him get out the state. Yeah, so you sure. have back-to-back five-star quarterbacks. And it's just – and, and not, again, it's not easy. You have to earn it, but – you can focus on these other things. And who's to say at this time next year when Ryan is a junior, a, a rising junior, and can commit, that he doesn't commit. Yeah. So now you're two years forward with your quarterback. And now it's just like, hey, well, we got this guy. Like 2024 class, come on. 2025 class, come on. Like We got this guy. You know who, you know who your quarterback is. Like This has so many other effects aside from just getting a good player for sure like yeah and you talk about that two years out three years out with quarterbacks and you know nil and the transfer portal kind of threw wrench into that initial like awesome room ohio state had but now this next set of players are prepared for it so they're making that decision with the timetable in mind already you know like cj stroud and jack miller didn't come to college with nil in mind you know they came, they competed, C.J. Stroud won, Jack Miller left. That was a very natural one. The Quinn Ewer situation happened after he reclassified. It was a weird situation, so it's like there's a little bit more to it. But look at Kyle McCord's there. He's got a natural secession plan if he wins. And if Devin Brown wins, guess what? Kyle McCord still has plenty of time to go elsewhere and play football. That's the same exact thing yeah. that could happen with Dylan and Ryan Montgomery Probably not because you don't have the 2023 guy, but Devin Brown plays yeah. his two years. You got a battle. Dylan Rayola probably wins it. Then you've got Montgomery versus the next kid you get, and it's a succession right. plan. Just- and it takes the transfer portal into consideration. It takes kind of that into the future of what a quarterback room building should look like. Right. And I, I try to tell people all the time, and Chris can advocate for this, that quarterbacks are different and I understand like the transfer portal happens but players don't just up and leave Ohio State, Alabama, things like that and this thought process that you have to start at a freshman, I get it but if you actually look across the country, there are not that many true freshmen that start. So there's a lot of people who are worried about quarterbacks not winning immediately and getting all these guys when in reality they don't actually transfer that much. Now, do they transfer faster than a wide receiver or a running back or an offensive lineman? Yes, but they're not transferring in like Quinn Ewers. They're not transferring after their first season. Quinn Ewers is now the the exception. And and so, and Chris can say this because I've been talking about that for a while. And the reason why I bring this up is because even people in like LGHL and different things like that, we were talking and a lot of people were like, oh, well, they may lose two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks. And I think I'm a, I think, well, they may lose two or three. They did lose two quarterbacks because Jack Miller transferred as well. Which one was, but we I knew think it was going to happen. The other was right, kind of a right. surprise. So I think I I think I'm a pretty good read on people, and so I just want to take a slight victory lap uh, because I kept telling everyone Kyle McCord was not going to transfer. Yeah, I just I listened to the kid talk, I listened to his interviews. I mean, when they tried to make the quarterback competition, he was essentially just like, "I'm just trying to get better. I didn't come here expecting to start. It's dope that I'm in the competition and I have a chance, but like, essentially, he was like, I didn't come here expecting. I'm a freshman. I just want to get better. Like, I want to learn. And so I never felt like he was going to be the one to transfer when they had this thing and look at it and, and, and it's like and it worked out for him, honestly he's got i'm not a star quarterback 
you're not a star quarterback. Nope. But I just want to ask, would you rather start at, I don't know, Coastal Carolina or Kent State or, um, I don't know, in, uh, Tennessee, these other places, or would you rather be the backup quarterback at Ohio State? Yeah, trained honestly. by Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, knowing that you're going to get the job or at least have an upper hand, uh, a real opportunity to, to get it. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally am taking playing for the quarterback guru every time because even, like I said, even if you don't win the job in year three, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to go elsewhere. Yeah. And because everyone's going to want you, you get to develop with no pressure. For two, like you know, pressure at Ohio State's pressure. You know, you're still an Ohio State quarterback. Right. There's still expectation, but you get to learn behind a guy who's been through the exact same thing you've been through at the exact like same level type of quarterback. Everyone in the room comes from the same background and pedigree, so there's going to be a basic level of respect for each other. It, it really is turning into I, I, an ecosystem, honestly. Like, right. and it, it's funny to me because I we were all kind of. Like there's doomsdayers, like we're gonna lose all the quarterbacks, we're gonna start from scratch. There are people like me and you who are like, eh, one or two will probably go, but like there's still gonna be three or four guys in this room. And then Because being a backup at Ohio State is better than starting at most places in the country. And, and that's not just an Ohio State. He could thing. be a one and done I mean, guy. Like he could start yeah. as a junior and balance and it'd be completely reasonable. I mean, like, if we follow the NFL draft, how many people on Georgia's defense got drafted that we'd never heard of? They literally had backups drafted who played enough snaps and made a little bit of production. Like, being a backup, like, and they're better off for being a backup at Georgia than they were starting at Miami or starting at Pittsburgh or some of those other things. And so I think with social media, all this information about draft, who's developing players, things like that, there are always going to be players who are about their money. There are always be players who are playing time be damned. Like, I want to play. I don't care where I'm at. There's always going to have that. But the best of the best know what's going on. And you listen to Alabama, you listen to Alabama players talk and Nick Saban talk and essentially like he doesn't sell them anything. I'm selling you the opportunity to come and compete with the best. Yeah, that's exactly come and compete with the best. I'm only thing I'm telling you is you get to compete with the best. And if you are the best, you'll play. If you are not, you won't. But you get the chance to come and compete with the best. And no, we're not Bama, but we have that same pitch in the instance. of No, I'm not guaranteeing you anything, but you get to go and play against the best players. You get to go and play against a five star quarterback, a five star with five star wide receivers, high top 100 picks. You get to go with coaches who have put players in the NFL at all these levels. And if you are good, you're guaranteed to get drafted. If you can make it here, you are going to get drafted. And 100%. that's the pitch. Yeah, and uh, you could see it in that quarterback room. And uh, I mean, overall, it's like you could see a natural transition plan for every single quarterback to get on the field, which I think yeah. is something a lot of people were worried about a few months back. But now it's like, all right, Kyle McCord, start a year. Devin Brown could start two years. Dylan Rayola could start two years. Ryan Montgomery could start one year. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Everyone gets to play. And we're throwing Ryan Montgomery in there just because he's like an easy name for that 2025 right. down the road. But like reasonably, all these quarterbacks have an opportunity and have a natural pathway. And having that one year, we saw it with Dwayne Haskins, one year, one and done first round pick. We've seen, we saw it with Justin yeah. Fields, two years, first round draft pick. It's incredible what has been built. And, you know, we're kind of pushing up on the break. So I think we got to move into our last part of this topic. 
We need to give some respect to Corey Dennis here, don't we? Please. I, I think it's time. I think it is time to say, hey, this was a nepotism guy. This was Urban Meyer's daughter's husband. Like, and I think you made a good point, and I'll let you take it from here. But Corey Dennis has moved from that nepotism to being a legitimate force and probably a 30 under 30 coach around the country that's going to be or 35 under 35, whatever his age is, that's next in line into becoming something big. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting because no one had really heard about Corey Dennis, even though he's been with the program since 2015. No one had really heard about him until he gets tabbed as quarterbacks coach. And we're like, who is this senior analyst? What does that even mean? And, and you you hear little things, right? Dwayne Haskins is calling him his personal quarterbacks coach and his big up in him. Justin Fields has good things to say. But the only thing you see is. Urban Meyer's son-in-law. Yeah. And it's like, and, you know, it's like Urban Meyer. And this article hasn't come out yet, so I don't want to tell you everything in it. But, you know, it's like Urban Meyer hired friends. So as a fan, it's like this is just another Ryan Day trying to please Urban Meyer, whatever kind of thing. And, and even me, I remember saying like, hey, I don't think this matters because – Ryan Day just wants a young guy who's going to tell him what he wants told instead of getting an older guy who is going to try to impart his own wisdom, right? I'm just like, he's just going to be a robot for Ryan Day. And I think that was a fair assumption to make on all accounts. It was fair to be mad at the nepotism. It was fair to think he was a robot, whatever, because we just didn't know. But at this point, I think it's time to recognize what he's done. And I think it's time to view him, honestly, in the vein of a Brian Hartline. He's because a true the only asset cool, the to only, the coaching staff at this point. Yeah, the only position that is out-recruited wide receivers is quarterbacks. And at the end of the day, people are going to listen to this and roll their eyes and say it's Ryan Day. But Ryan Day is not texting these guys every day. He's not calling them. He's not FaceTiming them. He's not Ryan Day. And most head coaches, if you don't know this, are closers. When the guy gets close, he's important. Think about all the pitches you see. Ryan Day's not always on the road. He has a very short calendar of when he can go. And then, yes, where where you see him is important. So he has gone to visit Dylan and these other kind of things, and he makes time for him. But a head coach's job is not the day-to-day operations. No. A head coach, like, and I, you know this, and I know this, being in a program, you'll, don't, you'll go days without seeing the head coach. Because yeah, they're days meeting, without talking to this, him. Do that, right? Like, you know, you don't talk to the head coach every day. You don't just walk talk to the head coach. Talk to your coach every day. Go to your meetings and, every day. And, and same thing with recruiting. So, even even if Ryan Day is setting the standard, right? Even if Ryan Day is saying, "I want this drill, I want this, whatever," I want Corey these is the one breaking down the film. He he's the one breaking down the film. He's the one teaching them. He's the one learning and, and critiquing footwork, speed, accuracy, all these other kind of things. These little things that they have to work on. He's the one building relationships so all these quarterbacks don't transfer. Because mm-hmm. again, maybe CJ Stroud is because he's CJ Stroud, but Devin Brown is not in Ryan Day's office. I, I will promise you that he is not in Ryan Day's office right now, but he's in Corey Dennis and Corey Dennis is is laying out the plan. We have this, we have that. You're getting better. Just stick with it. You're homesick, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that has led to Justin Fields going in the first round. And I will credit him a little bit with Dwayne Haskins because he was an analyst and Dwayne Haskins credited him. So that's led to Dwayne Haskins going in the first round. That led to Justin Fields getting here and going in the first round that led to recruiting 
Kyle McCord that led to recruiting Quinn Ewers, that led to recruiting C.J. Stroud and Devin Brown. C.J. Stroud turning into what I call him in the article, a deer in headlights who fans and fans are going to act like they didn't do this. But fans who literally wanted him benched for a guy they'd also never seen to being the almost every analyst in the country is calling him the potential first number one pick or at least the first quarterback off the board. And Ryan Day will always deserve his credit because he is the guy. But if you're ranking his priorities, his priorities are head coach, offensive coordinator, and then quarterbacks coach last. Yeah, think so, about where, like like he has to worry about every other position's recruiting as well because he has to build out a yeah. full team. So like as much as Ryan Day has obviously Ryan Day does a ton with the quarterbacks, and that's not what we're trying to say here. It but right, Dennis is a good guy doing a lot of the legwork on every single day stuff. Like and it, it really is time to look at this guy because I think yeah, I don't want to give it away because your article's coming, but um, there were coaches looking for Corey Dennis to come in and be offense coordinator, quarterbacks coach at their school and pay him like high level money. And that's why Corey Dennis yeah. keeps getting raises and stuff like that because the only way to keep a guy like that is to, in fact, pay him more money. Right. And, and do that if, because he's- if he wasn't working and earning that money. Right. And all of these guys who leave, right, they mention Corey Day's name. Yes, they mention Ryan Day and whatever, but they all mention Corey Day. And they're not, they don't have to do that. You're leaving. You don't have to talk about a coach if he didn't make something. Yeah. These guys that recruit when they commit, they mention Corey Dennis. I said Corey Day. They mention Corey Dennis's name. Like, and yeah, he's actually Ryan Day's son. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that there's still a lot of skepticism. Actually, I know for a fact there is just some conversation that we've had, and it got me thinking. Like, he's been there enough. He's we, been there, there should be too no more. Long to not no like, more. Yeah, and, and okay, and let's give another example. This is not in my article, but I just thought of it. What was Ryan Day doing last year? He was reorganizing the defense. How much time do you think he spent? Like he yeah. literally so much. Ryan Day does not tell. Not that he lies, but he doesn't tell a lot of truths in press conferences. He's very he coach. He's master coach. Complained. He openly complained about having to be involved in the defense, taking time away from the offense. So if he's doing that. I ask you again, how much time was he spending with quarterbacks? If now he's adding off head coach, offensive coordinator, savior of the defense, and quarterbacks. I mean, like it's just not realistic. Yeah, like, I, I can't sit here and tell you I know everyone's breakdown. But just logically, Corey Dennis is doing so much more than what is being credited to him. Yeah, and man. I'm not saying we got to call him the best quarterback coach in the country. I'm, no. I'm just saying – we need to stop, which maybe he is, but like we need to stop calling him Ryan Day's robot or like just or just and all of these things, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, and not mentioning Corey Dennis and the yeah. effect that he's having on these quarterbacks. Yeah, last thing I want to say on this before we head to the break, like <clears throat> Ryan Day builds the plan, but it is up to Corey Dennis to execute a lot of the plan. Yeah. And let's be honest, I have said multiple times I think I could execute the linebackers plan and maybe I'm an idiot. I could tell you right now, Ryan Day could give me the quarterback's plan and I couldn't execute nope, it. No chance. Quarterbacks are different. I fully believe in myself that I could be a linebacker's coach. I could do it. I could learn it. I could learn the drills, whatever. But uh, you have to have someone with that acumen and that ability and that the, the there's so many things that go into coaching, the knowledge, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, it's, once again, he's a guy. You, you don't just 
need to know about like taking a five step drop. You need to know everything everybody else is doing. You need to know the yep. protections. You need to know what the running back's doing on this play so you can teach them how the footwork for a handoff. There's so much that goes into it, and those little things are. And we we could go on. We love Corey Dennis now. This is a Corey Den- and this is a Corey Dennis fan account, Stan account. Honestly, we'll go that far. Uh, podcast. So. Yeah, and the, and the one thing, the last thing that I have to say about it, it, and maybe people will understand this, maybe they don't. Game plans are typically built from the bottom up, right? A good offense or defensive coordinator is going to go to the position coach and say, hey, what are your players' strengths? What do they like? This, that, and the third. So the reason why I say this is Corey Dennis has to know this is what Justin Field is good at. Now we're transitioning. This is what C.J. Stroud is good at. If C.J. Stroud goes down, this is what Kyle McCord is good at. And he has to be able to communicate that to the coaches to build those things in and have those plays in. And he has to be able to communicate what the coaches want down to the quarterback. So he's working. And they have similar height and weight, but we talked about it, and everyone knows this. Kyle McCord is not C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is not Justin Fields. Uh, Devin Brown is not C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, any of them. So he's working with three distinct different guys and trying to get them all all different. Yeah, and trying to get them all to the same level to be able to ac- execute the same thing. Like his job's not easy, and so I like you know whatever. Maybe you don't like the fact that I said we need to we need to look at him like we look at Brian Hartline. But can we at least look at him like we look at some of the other coaches? I mean, like no, he's yeah, not Larry Johnson. On. Like I am uh, not so- saying. We need to like lay the red carpet out and make Corey Dennis the next head coach at Iowa State. He just needs some basic level respect. Yeah, but I tell you this, he's the quarterback's coach. Yeah, he, I don't know what Brian Hartline's ambitions are, but I would not be surprised if Corey Dennis was the next offensive coordinator or the next next offensive coordinator or was co-offensive coordinator with Brian Hartline. There's a lot of pathways that keep this staff together for a long time, for sure. Because that job does typically go to quarterback coach. I'm just saying, Corey Dennis is not going to be the low man on the totem pole forever. Yeah. And he's getting that respect from players, from recruits, from the coaches, but he's not getting it from fans yet. So, so it's so, time. And that's how you end it. It's time. Yeah. He deserves right. it. He's earned it. Yep. So with that, we're going to take you guys to a quick break. This ad break is sponsored to you guys by Corey Dennis fan account. And we'll see you guys <laughs> on the flip side. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Um, 
man, we, we got into quarterbacks. You know, that's the thing they say. Uh, quarterbacks, like, we could talk about quarterbacks all day. It's the easiest position to, like, there's so much that goes into playing quarterback. There's so much around the quarterbacks. Like, it is different than every other position on the football field for a lot of reasons. I know when we were talking about the offensive line last week, we were like, it was different than every other football position. They're, they're so, like, every football position is just so, there's so much that goes into it, and that's why it's, it's such an interesting sport, especially when you're going to break stuff down. But that was a lot of fun talking about the recruiting, what goes into playing quarterback at Ohio State. Corey Dennis getting some respect. Um, you know, moving along through the show, I think we're going to have to uh, move past our next segment. We might be able to touch on in the end, but we got a lot of recruiting stuff to get to here. Uh, so, can we get started with recruiting? Yeah, I mean, that's fine with me. Let's do it. Uh, May, June, it's big time. Like, I, I mean, I, I hate to do this. Uh, I mean, we're, we're recruiting experts, but we're not like industry leaders in this. We're not going to be your lead recruiting experts. We're just like, we know what we're talking about now. We, we've become pretty comfortable in the, in the field, but we're not, we're not your guy. We're not Bill Kerr, like Jeremy Birmingham. We're not those guys yet. Yeah, we're never going to get a crystal ball. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not there yet. <laughs> you know, we'll, only time will tell. Uh, if you guys ever see me crystal ball and stuff, you guys know I've taken this bit too far. Yeah. First of all, I will say that I will never get a crystal ball because as much as I like recruiting and I like being a recruiting expert, I cannot revolve my life around 16 year olds. Like it's already in my day job. I work with 18 and 19 year olds. I'm not trying to reverse a couple years. So for the people who do it, I have so much, you know, like like like, Ari Wasserman gets a lot of flack whatever but his his entire job is like calling and talking to either high school coaches or doing stories on 15 16 year olds and predicting where they're going couldn't be me i so much respect to what he actually has to do because have y'all talked to a 16 year old like like really have you talked to a 16 year old recently yeah (laughs) it's it's different for (laughs) sure uh they haven't been weighed down by the world yet it's kind of (laughs) nice but all jokes aside, uh, pre-May, June visits. We got a lot of storylines coming in. Uh, Dylan Rayola committed, and immediately the momentum with Brandon Innes, Carnell Tate, uh, Noah Rogers, uh, all sort of flew up the board. Like uh, I saw a tweet today. Someone was uh, – God, is it Bryson Rogers? Which one uh, – I gotta pull it up. I gotta pull it up. I don't want to. Have to. The one currently in the class. Okay, got you. So then it was Noah Rogers. Noah, Why do they have? I we, believe. Yeah, we've done this now back to back classes. We had Caleb Brown yeah. and Caleb Bird. Now we've got Noah Rogers and Bryce Rogers. Uh, the thing I don't know about Noah Rogers, I always get mixed up. Is Noah Rogers the top sixty wide receiver from California, or is he the wide receiver from North Carolina? And uh, if he's not, which one is the one from North Carolina? He's the top sixty receiver from North Carolina. So who's the who's the wide receiver from California? He is uh, Rico Flores, and he's like okay. See, I know the difference between the Rogers, but there's so many. It's names be flying it's around. Names are flying. It's June. It's May. It's recruiting season. Uh, but immediately after Rayola committed, it's Monday. Yesterday, I saw a tweet with him FaceTiming Noah Rogers. Like he's already doing yeah. work in the 2023 class. Like he's going to represent both classes, do the recruiting for both of them. Like. Yeah, we gave C.J. Hicks a lot of credit, and he's done his work. But if Dylan Rayola pulls two classes together, like, 
nothing but Come respect on, for the for the king. Uh, but overall, and, like and we we love what Luke is doing too. But yeah. it's different when it's the quarterback. Yeah, it it's like hey. I've already committed. It's 2024. E 2023, guys. I'm going to come in. We're going to we're going to steal the show. Like once it's our yeah. time, um, and it's exciting. It's a lot of fun. Um, but that immediate impact you see, Brandon Ennis coming on. Like, hey, I'm visiting Ohio State soon. Like, Carnell Tate was kind of flirting with NIL money at Tennessee. You know, Notre Dame was kind of involved earlier in his recruitment. There's a lot of big names around him, school wise back on everyone's saying ooh Carnell Tate momentum in that direction uh, maybe it's maybe it's because the uh, you know the NCAA is trying to crack down on NIL yeah, like, I don't want to get in my phone a lot of moving <laughs> a lot of moving parts there but overall I, I think this is a huge storyline to watch because you know everyone always comes in hey can Brian Hartline do it again can Brian Hartline do it again and I've seen it I think Berm wrote about it I think uh, I think Bill Green said it on a podcast I listened to. They're both like, if you're even with Brian Hartline, he's leaving. It's just like that old saying with receivers. If you're even as a DB, yeah. he's leaving. If you're involved and he wants them, it, like Brandon Ennis and USC and Ohio State, like if he, they're even right now, you're giving, you're telling me he gets the last visit, he gets to go six months till December. Good luck. Come on. And, and the the thing with that, too, and that's why I'm glad you brought Dylan Riola into it, is for sure, maybe you could say Lincoln Riley or some of these other places develop good wide receivers, too. But there's no one that provides the package that Ohio State provides, as in you get the quarterback, you get the system, you get the, the ex-NFL vet who received his second contract. Like, you don't get all of those things. Like, like with USC, maybe you get the quarterback, maybe you don't. Maybe you get the fun offense, fun offense. maybe you get California, but like you don't get everything. So it's hard to beat Brian Hartline in yeah. recruiting. It's, it's hard to beat Ohio State. Like a lot of coaches can tell you what to do. Brian Hartline could legitimately show you on film what to do, what he did against legitimate NFL corners. Like hey, that man is still in shape. He yeah. might be able he to show you on the field. Like, yeah, I was gonna say it, but I, I knew I wouldn't be wrong with the film aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, but like, I, I think it's fun, and I think you're going to see momentum with some offensive linemen in 2024. I mean, the offensive class is going to take care of itself now in 2024, and I think you're going to see some momentum with some offensive recruits in 2023 as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because once you have that quarterback, and like if you're a receiver, you could look and see what CJ Stroud's doing, and you could go and look at Kyle McCord's high school tape and be like, all right, this kid, this kid's legit. Uh, you could go look you at Devin Brown's and be like, hey, all right, this dude can play ball, and you could look at the Akron game, like you said, and you know you're going to have a good quarterback. You know you're going to be in an offense that is prepared to first round picks in the NFL. Um, there's just a lot to look at, and then now you've seen Olave. So that combination of Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams going back, 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 and then landing Dylan Rayola. If you're a receiver and you're looking at other schools and you just didn't witness the last month Ohio State had, I'd say go take a look back at Twitter. Uh, go take a look back at the news over the last month. Just type in Ohio State on Google, like Ohio State draft, uh, and you're you're going to get a lot of information for recruiting. Yeah. 
And I don't think they're going to say it out loud just out of respect. But you're telling me like that, like, sure, on the Ohio State media account, they're not claiming Jameson Williams. But you're telling me in conversation, they're not mentioning him. I mean, I watched Brian Hartline's conversation. And when they asked him his uh, his most recent um, press conference or whatever, press availability. And when they asked him about the transfer portal, he said, here's the thing. They may not work out here and the players are doing what's best for them. And I understand that and I'm not mad at that, but they're going places where they're going to be able to compete and they're going to be able to um, be successful. And that was him saying, like, sure, players leave, but they're getting the best training here. That's why look at Jameson. Like they're telling players, they're telling people like, yeah, he got drafted from Bama, but he was developed here. Like that's that, that thing he was developed here. Yeah. That for is sure. being talked about. They're not acting like Jameson Williams didn't exist. They're talking about Joe Burrow being developed here. And don't let my prediction of Jack Miller taking that Florida job from Anthony Richardson happened. Yeah, because they're going to talk we've about been him saying, too. We're going to say it. Yeah. So, uh, um, it's definitely it something. Happened. And today, um, a former walk-on transferred to the University of Ohio from Ohio State, Sam Wegluz. I don't know if I said his last name right, but he got a Division One offer. And I, I, I'm not going to say like, oh, he's going to go down and have immediate success. But I'm going to be honest. If we look at the stats by the end of the year, I'm going to let you guys know he's probably going to have a pretty good season. Yeah, so it's it's good. It's good being on top. It's good, uh, you know, having yeah, this. And, and the thing, uh, and it's getting to the point, right? It's going to get to the point where playing certain positions at Ohio State well, obviously, yeah. it's going to get to the point where playing certain positions at Ohio State well is going to get you a first-round pick just because. Let's be honest. We keep saying Damon Arnett was not a first-round pick. He was a first-round pick because he was a corner at Ohio State. Like, that's just what it is. Zach Harrison, despite his quote-unquote lack of sack production, not overall production, Zach Harrison's being talked about a first-round pick because he's a 6'6 defensive end who plays at Ohio State. Yep. You're going to get some of that benefit of the doubt just by being at Ohio State. You look at the wide receivers from Ohio State who weren't first-round picks and how successful they are at the league, people are going to start saying – they're just developed good. So pick him in the first round because he's from Ohio State. So it's going to it's gonna be what happens, and, it, and maybe it's already happening. It's good to, to come from this program. It is. And, I mean, it's been that way for years, and we're starting to see it more and more at other positions like running back. We've seen Al- – Alford's just done an incredible job there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at – um, receiver, obviously, enough said. Larry Johnson speaks for himself. You know, and we've got some new coaches defensively, so we're going to see what they're made of. But over the last, like, decade, it's been, hey, we've put these guys out. And, I mean, we're I mean, going to talk about – coaches put multiple people in this draft yeah, and had the best draft in Cincinnati history. So, I'm just saying. And, yeah, I mean, we're going to jump into defensive recruiting here in a second, but to, like, finish it up with this receiver stuff – this is set in expectation. It's raised the bar. It's raised the expectation. I know a huge conversation topic is Ohio State continues to like elevate their recruiting floor. I think it's a conversation that's been being had. And, yeah, mm-hmm. they might not have the same number of top 100 players, but the balance between their 25th player in the class and their first player is much more even throughout which Mm -hmm. obviously you want to get the players in the top 10 and stuff but sometimes it's just not naturally going to work out you know that's just the way it is and the the top 100 metric is a very good one but 
if your whole class is built of top 300, top 350 players, it's a good class. Yeah, for sure. Because you have to remember, like, and I think it's sometimes funny that we forget that. It's like, oh, he's only the 284th player. He's the 284th of, like, 15,000. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know how many players play high school football? Like, come on. Yeah, now. Like, having a ranking at all means you are in the top percentage of players in the country. And, like, to build on that, like – yeah, just because you're like the 280th player in the country, you could be like the sixth best player at your position. Yeah, especially if it's like at like tight end or, or some things like that. Yeah. Like, like usually so, it's like um, receivers. Once you get to like the hundred, you're probably tenth. But like if you're in the top twenty, your position in the entire country, like, come on. What are we talking about? Because of how many receivers there are. Like, it's different. Like, being the 20th best quarterback is not the same as being the 20th best receiver because everybody has three, four receivers on the team. So, yep. the 20th best receiver is probably really, really good still. Like, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I, I think it's awesome. I think having the quarterback established in 2024, you already kind of have your next two quarterbacks established with McCord and Brown, and now you've got Rayola coming in. In 2024, it really has built a very good foundation for offensive recruiting. For sure. And it's going to stay that way. Yeah. The only, I mean, we talked about this. No one's concerned about offensive recruiting. The only thing that we've asked for is to raise the floor for off, for O line recruiting. Yeah, 100%. Like we, don't get we me wrong. Do that, we're good. If you're a 350th recruit offensive tackle and you become a first round pick, I will eat my foot because like we said, like we we're not hating on you guys. We just, we want to see the floor race a little bit. I mean, and it's not hating because look, we talked about it at nauseum. Look at the current roster. It's not Most of those guys were 350, 400, 700, that kind of stuff. And yes, they're good, but you can't have an entire roster built on that at Ohio state. I mean, there, there are players in their schools in the, in the country who would love to take the players that we're complaining about. And so I try to be respectful of that. But at the end of the day, it's also they're at Ohio State. They're not at Colorado State. So you have to raise that floor a little bit. And our floor was too low at those positions because yeah. of our old uh, coach. He who will not be named. He who will not be named. Not on this show. Not on this show. I made uh, the mistake last week. I'm not doing it this week. We just he don't, will not be named. We're just not putting bad energy out there. So we're just not going to say his name. No. Uh, so, yeah, moving on. So, defensive recruiting, uh, we were just kind of talking about it. Uh, there really is not a lot in the class right now. You've got Will Smith. You've got uh, Dijon Johnson. You've got Cedric Hawkins. You've got Molly Cartford. And that is the defensive class so far. And, yes, it's early. Uh, but, you know, it would be – I'd be remiss to say it, like four players on the defensive side, three of them are defensive backs. Like that is – I'm trying to think about it. You know, when we talk about stacking classes, like we need – I mean, Larry – This I, we talked about this last week a little bit. The defensive line class might not be as strong as it historically is, so – I think Larry is really taking his time evaluating players and will start making his moves here over the summer. Um, looking at the linebacker recruiting, I, I'm not worried. I think Jim Knowles has a good bit. I, I've got 
a little note at the end of this segment here about that. But I kind of want to start with the DBs and the D-line specifically because I think those are two places that I think you need to take a huge step forward. I think those are the two positions defensively that build the basis of the defense and then having great linebackers makes the defense great. But you, we need to get started on the D-line. So let's start there. Uh, there's nobody in this class right now that I'm confident Ohio State is 100% the front runner for. So I'm going to let you talk about the D-line because I said something last year that I have to stick to. Um, and I'm trying to pull up the names because I always forget them. Um, and I, I need to stop doing that, to be completely honest with you. But last year, I said I said it on a specific player. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm trying to uh, pull up the play. I think it was – this is, you know, terrible podcasting. But um, which one was it? Either way, until I find his name. Um, oh, it was it, – oh, I'm so stupid. It was uh, either Kenyatta Jackson or Amari Abel. I don't remember yep. exactly which one. Whichever one committed last. I said – I because I led the charge of Larry Johnson has not met his standard. And I truly believe that because he hadn't for a couple of years. And when we look at that with the players that were drafted, we don't need to rehash that. But I said after the class he had in 2021, if he does it again in 2022, if he gets Omari Abor, if he gets Kenyatta Jackson, I will never say a bad word about Larry Johnson again, especially because last year, was even worse than this year, as in, like, we were in, like, September and yeah. didn't know what defensive lineman we were getting. Like, Hayden Curry wasn't in the class. Kenyatta Jackson wasn't in the class. in the class. And we were like, who, who was coming? And I was worried, and people were calling me stupid. But I'm like, listen, who are the good defensive linemen that we've had after Chase Young? Larry Johnson's been here the entire time. We fell off. He fell off. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I'm just acknowledging that he fell off a little bit. People tried to kill me for it. That's fine because no one likes to talk bad on a legend. I'll be that guy. But I'm going to say that I said last year, if he lands these guys, I will never say a bad thing about him. He landed them late, and he did it. So that's what I'm going to say this year. I can't pick a single person. I agree with you. I can't pick a single person that I think they lead on. But I'm just going to say it's Larry Johnson. He yeah, proved to me last year. Larry Johnson. They're involved with a lot of them, like Deron Reed from Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. So, I mean, it's not much of a change for him. A.J. Hoffler's a guy I've heard they've gotten momentum from. If we could take If Clemson's in on a defensive lineman, I want him just because they've done such a good job in their talent evaluation at those positions. Um, you know, looking at it, there are players for sure that fit the mold of it. Uh, I've there's John Walker right here. He's a guy. He's actually a name I just saw pop up. And if he's a big guy and he's a Southern line, defensive lineman. So if you can get a 6'3", 300-pound, 10-pound Southern defensive lineman, like that is the type of player that builds a national championship defensive foundation just physically. Uh, Marion is Parker, that the guy from – is John Walker the guy from Alabama? He's from Kissimmee, Florida. Okay, that's not him. Uh, Tamarian Parker's what? from Alabama. He was the next guy okay, I mentioned. Think, and, okay, I don't think that's what I'm talking about, though. There's a guy who's supposedly a package deal with uh, Jaquavius Russell, Russell, Russell oh, from Alabama. They posted they posted pictures together. They go to the same high school. I can't think of his name. I have to find it. But they're both from Alabama. And supposedly they they dropped the top eleven or something like that. And Ohio State was in it. 
That's big time. Uh, uh, this Vic Burley guy, someone Ohio State warm with, according to 24-7 Sports. And then Matayo Uagalele has pushed his recruiting kind of towards the end of the summer. He said he wants to get his visits done in June and July, so we'll see. Uh, he did include Ohio State in the schools he lifted off for his visits, so we will see there. Uh, connection to Big Dave. We said it before. Larry Johnson's son. Yeah. Big Dave bodyguarded for him. Maybe. Uh, but I just think – I think I'm going to stick with you on this one. I don't want to, like, raise alarms or start the sirens, but I do I, – I mean – yeah, you know, I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to trust Larry Johnson. He's earned the benefit of the doubt. And I, I would just like – it would just ease me with some comfort to get some of these names on the board. Yeah, for sure. And I I, understand, I 100% understand being comforted by it. I will say this, though. Um, it seems like a lot of this class is committing late. Yeah, like it, 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 it feels it, like they're committing late. It feels like um, uh, a major correction to the COVID year. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, the one thing, so I found the guy's name. His name is James Smith. He is a five star. I think he's an interior defensive guy, and then I think Jaquavius Rousseau is the outside guy. But they play together. Um, in Alabama. And it's hard-pressed to think that you're going to get one or both of them out of Alabama. But we talked about this before. Alabama has like 13 top 100 players, and they're not going to take all of them. And there's already a guy, Peter Woods, who is crystal ball to Alabama as a defensive lineman who plays the same position as James Smith. So all I'm saying is there's a chance. Maybe Alabama gets all three of them. Who knows? We saw what Texas A&M did last year. Maybe Alabama does that this year. But Ohio State is on the list of both of those players. And that's that's, um, that's a big – I mean, if you're in the list, as long as you're on the list, you got a shot. So, yeah. That's huge, I, so. I, do have a, I have a question before I make my statement. And let me know when you're ready to move off this, con- this conversation because I want to make my statement last. So I said, and I've said multiple times, that I don't genuinely believe that Notre Dame is going to get Keon Keeley. Uh, but – I haven't heard any movement with him. Yeah, no. You think I'm wrong on that? Like, I'm, I'm do you think they to, lock that in? I'm starting to feel – I feel like if Brian Kelly was still the coach, I don't think he'd be locked in, but I feel like there's a lot of these players who are really vibing with Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about Jason Moore, who's also crystal balled, I think, or yeah. at least 100% on here. I don't think they get him. I, I mean, it's just hard. DeMatha, he's from DeMatha, yeah, man. Yeah, that's Catholic like, school. You never know if he's actually Catholic or if he's just a great athlete that goes to a Catholic school. I think Chase Young is going to take him out to lunch and be like, listen, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, it's only – You know what I did. I'm in Maryland right now with the Washington football team. Come on. You know where to go. I, I yeah. think Jason Moore is about Ohio State. And I think we know, like, if you have one crystal ball, like that that's a lot, but like I mean, this early, unless you've legitimately heard something, like Tom Lloyd's 14 for 14 this year, but he's 80% all time. So there is some possible movement there. But yeah, I, I think yeah. I think defensive line, I, I trust Larry Johnson. So um 
I think I'm ready to move on to the corners and safeties real quick. All right, so so then I, I'm ready to say my last thing. I'm, yeah, I'm not putting it on the line. I'm not putting it on the line because I, I I'm not as far into it as you are. But I'm ready to say I genuinely believe that we're gonna get Mateo Uangalele. Okay. I don't. Right. Know, I can't tell you why. I can tell you why it makes sense in my I, head, I but that. I don't have any real things. I just have a feeling that he's gonna come here. It's the Larry Johnson thing. It's the like. It has nothing to do with Larry Johnson's son, honestly. This is everything that I've heard. Big Dave loved Columbus. Um, he loved Larry Johnson. I and this is a it just seems like Ohio State does really good with low key players. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. I don't know why we do good with low key players, but but players who don't want to do this whole recruitment thing and don't want the bells and whistles and kind of want to keep it low key. I think Ohio State does. They connect with them for some reason. And I feel like Larry um, Johnson connects really well with those types of players. Yeah, and you can't underrate the island connection, right? Yeah, it, it, it is not yeah, understated. That once we got one, we started to get a lot more because they stick together. Like people from the Polynesian islands, from Hawaii, like that is it's a specific an culture, strong culture. It's a, it's an incredibly strong, and it, and it so they talk to culture. these players. Yeah. Right? Like they talk and they say, how are you treated here? Do they respect the culture? Do they understand? What is it like being so far away from home? And that's why yeah. once you get your Haskell Garrett's, uh, you, you get those guys. You, you get, got JT on uh, the roster right Tommy now. Togiai. Now you start getting JT. Now you start getting transfers. Um, You have um, Pali. Uh, and, and, and it's little things. It's like, like, do they learn your name? <laughs> do they pronounce it correctly? Like, these things matter. And, and that's why you start, like, Utah had their almost whole roster is Polynesian. And, and it's not because they all want to be in Utah. It's because you have that connection. Culture and connection there, yeah. So I, I think that Ohio State has become a home for Polynesian players. I think it was Haskell Garrett went home and he like led a parade and they did an article about him and he talked about how players have reached out to him and talked to him about his experience at Ohio State and, and how he's, you know, not, I don't know if you want to say helped recruited the players or whatever, but yeah. So I, I think that the connection, um, the, the coach, the staff, the putting the players in the league, low key, you know, maybe I'm making this all up. Who knows? Yeah. But I do think that we get Mateo Uangaleli and I don't, although Clemson is there, I don't think that family likes what Clemson has done with DJ, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, DJ leaves. Like, they're out. Yeah, I don't know if he's leaving, but I don't know if Clemson is the pool that people think it is just because DJ's if there. If DJ I, gets beat out by Klobnik at any point, he's not going to be at Clemson, so why would they send the title? Yeah. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're too happy with that staff right now. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm gonna let you ride with that one. I, I feel, I, I feel the same way. Uh, I'm not putting my expert status on the line for that one. It's just low key guy. Not a lot being said. Um, the defensive backs. We're gonna learn. I, I kind of want to make this a, not a quick one, but we've got Kayan Lee coming to town. Kermani McLean's coming to town. Kermani McLean is. Let me see. I just had him up. Uh, he is one of the highest rated players in the country from Florida. The number three player nationally, according to 24-7 sports composite ranking. And if Ohio, if Tim Walton lands Cormani McLean in his first class. Come on now. <laughs> I didn't even know what I'd do, honestly. Like, that's one where I'd just be incredibly shocked. And, like, K.N. Lee's a great player. But the number three corner, in the, like, corner's not 
always one where there's top ten recruits. It that means he he's six one and a half. He's long. He's super athletic. Like Tra- I think Travis Hunter last year, like he was six two. 185 pounds, but he ran like a 4-3-40. He could throw the football. He could catch the football. He could return the football. That's the type of cornerback that's in the top 10 in the country recruiting class-wise. And, like, these are names that are coming. Dijon Johnson's committed. Uh, you've got you've got a solid class. So if you could get Dijon Johnson, K.N. Lee, Carmody McLean, I'd, I'd be happy with that class in Tim Walton's first year. Perry Eliano, I think Perry Eliano's done an incredible job already. Uh, closing in on Cedric Hawkins. Uh, Molly Cartford's a guy who was already very heavily involved with Eliano before he took the Ohio State job. Now you've got a pot, you've got two safeties locked in. You could really just open up the fortress for Caleb Downs. And the thing is, like, you'd think, oh, three, four safeties in a class, that's a lot. But Ohio State plays three safeties on the field at all times. Yeah. And they all have different skill sets, and I'm assuming they're recruiting with that in mind. And if you could get if you could get Caleb Downs, like if these two guys come in and get Caleb Downs and Cormani McLean, that would be we'd have oh three. So you'd have Justin Fry in his first year, get three the top three Ohio State offensive linemen, you know, or state of Ohio offensive linemen. If you get a guy in his first year getting the number one corner in the country, and you get a guy in Perry Eliano getting the, I believe the number one safety in the country. Um, that would be like you. I mean, obviously you can't argue with that start, but that would be unreal and show the momentum of the program in an incredibly remarkable way. Yeah, listen to the top five players in the country: quarterback, quarterback, cornerback, defensive line, quarterback. Tell me which one doesn't belong. It's the cornerback. Like, that's not the one you expect to be there. Yeah. Uh, there's three quarterbacks in the top five, and then there's just one cornerback just there. Like, do you, like, again, like you said, to, to take what you said, like, that shows how good he is. Uh, if you go to the top 10, the sixth player is quarterback. Then you get a tackle, tackle, edge, and then you get a wide receiver. It, yeah. All of those players are what you expect to be in the top 10 except the corner. That is how good of an athlete of a player that this guy's expected to be. And I'm scrolling. You have to go to 18 till you find another corner. Like, that's a, that is a pretty significant yeah, difference. Odds um, are, Kermani McLean's going to Florida. He's, like, from the area. Like, it would be an incredible ah, coup ooh. if Ohio State could get him. And I'm not – I mean – what has yeah. Florida ever done? That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, they put Vernon Hargraves in there like five years ago, and he didn't amount to anything. So that's what they've done. But it looks like he's got his visit set. Uh, if Ohio State makes that cut, like you're in it. And it's just – I think Tim Walton could have a great class without him, but it's an if he gets him. Like it's his dream scenario more than anything. That I actually – real recruiting like diamonds here like i'm not giving you secret information here this is like this is just me kind of fantasizing through the microphone to you guys like god this would be awesome like wouldn't it be awesome guys you know uh, but i really hope he gets them i really do uh but yeah, i just think I, I do think caleb downs is something i'd be close to putting my recruiting expertise down on the line for i do think we get caleb downs that would be I mean, it's just crazy. Like, sometimes you just have to be like, well, duh, it's Ohio State. And then other times it's like, are we really doing this? Yeah. Like, are we like, we're really doing this? So, 
I mean, it's it is nice to be on top. It's, it is. It's sometimes yeah. I don't like that you can say, but I am a proud Ohio State fan. I tell you that. And I'll be honest, like even take take Tim Walton, even the fact that. Kermani McLean's respecting his pitch, respecting that he's recruiting him. Like, that's huge for a first year. And obviously he has loads of NFL experience. But it's just seeing him in the door with that level of recruit, something that should be exciting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It is Ohio State. You could have Tavir Johnson at the same time. Listen, and I want to I want to speak on this in in particular because we talked about it. Tim Wallen's older. Yeah, we didn't know if he could do it. He's been in the NFL forever. If the first thing he does is get the best corner in the country, we can never ask can Tim Walton recruit again. Okay. We can never say is he out of touch. Like it, I mean, but it if could I'm be Tim his Walton, son, and I'd still be like, he, I can't say he can't recruit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna just say if if he land, if I was Tim Walton, I'm just pulling up the Jalen Ramsey video yeah. of him saying he's the best coach he's ever had. But like just showing it on his phone the whole time. <laughs> That's just me. I'm putting that. I'm saving that on my computer. Like, yeah, just like. For oh, sure. By the way, I'm I'm Tim Walton. Jalen Ramsey video. <laughs> like, uh, all right. I've got two quick hits before we get into our last topic of the day, and then final thoughts. Uh, Samson Okulola uh, is looking to schedule his visits. Included Ohio State uh, in the list of teams he wants to visit. Will he come? I don't know where you saw that at, but when I saw that in the show plan, I was like, let's go. Uh, like, it's just, I, I mean, I was just scouring the recruiting websites and I saw that and I'm like, all right, I'm going to ride with it. Let's see. Um, said it in an interview. I think with actually one of the national recruiting guys, but uh, if he comes to Ohio State, it's up to Justin Fry. If he closes on Samson, like, after like two weeks ago, I told you, yeah, I don't really think we have a shot for Samson. Uh, but that's the thing. I didn't say we didn't have a shot. I said we don't really. So I protected myself, recruiting expert style, and we're good to go. And also, Lennon and Basantis. Uh, Lennon's got his set. Uh, Basantis, I don't know if he has his set, but I think Ohio State is very much in the fold there. And then, last one on the linebackers, because we don't we haven't really talked about linebacker recruiting lately. Troy Bowles said Ohio State is very alive and well in his recruitment. So, some things to look into. Yeah. And, I mean, that's important because a lot of people – like, we were, like, really, really high on Troy Bowles, like, two years ago somehow. And then, like, recently a bunch of people were basically just saying that uh, he was going to Georgia. So, that not to say that he's coming here, but I'm glad that he put it on the map that, you he's know – He's still very open still to Ohio State's recruitment. So – that's big time. Uh, that's recruiting stuff. Uh, football, finally removing divisions at the NCAA level. Incredible. About time. That's what I gotta say. Yeah, I'm gonna repost. I'm gonna repost the article I wrote a couple of months ago about that at some point. But it, it's good to see the NCAA doing things that make sense. Yeah, I, I think the divisions. Uh, the division rule kind of made sense at first. Uh, but then Ohio, the Big Ten started with the leaders and the legends, which was incredibly stupid. But that was more to balance the for the competitive balance more than the geographical relations. Uh, I think the names were stupid. The names I don't think the 
the divisions were bad. I think they actually made the most sense, honestly. Yeah, and then they had to go and ruin it by naming them. Ooh, this is a big tent, which was confusing. Uh, yeah, because legends are leaders and leaders are legends. Uh, but it was, just, it was just bad. They it, just tried to get cute with they it. Did. They tried to make too much of it, and that's a big problem. But you know, now I don't have to know which teams are in the ACC Coastal. Uh, I don't even know what the other ACC division, Atlantic division. Uh, I don't know. I don't. That doesn't even make sense. Uh, <laughs> what's the other one? Big Twelve North South. That one's pretty easy. The SEC East West. That's pretty easy. But it, the real advantage it comes is with scheduling, honestly. And your article, yep. like you said, you break it into pods. It makes it easy. You have your must play game, and then everything else is relatively freedom. Uh, and I think that's much more fun. And I think it's very archaic to think, oh, yeah, the two best teams. Because it was Wisconsin and Ohio State every year. Like That completely disregards the actual second and third best teams in the conference a lot of the time. Which is not always Wisconsin. Yeah. So it, it really does take into consideration a lot more. And it fits the modern game much more to get rid of divisions. Yeah, I just want to say something just this is a personal note. I saw someone talking about the Big Ten and what they wrote is they would play if they went the pod system, which is three home three opponents that they keep every year and then they rotated. Someone said that they would play every school X amount of times in 10 years. I don't remember the exact number. The only reason I bring that up is 14 teams is a really weird number to do three and nine, to do three and six, essentially. And I I kept trying to do the math, and I kept trying to do, like, trying to give teams three schools, and it wasn't working. And I thought I was doing it wrong, but you have to extend the 10 years for it to make sense. Like, they would play every school, like, three times in 10 years or something like that. Yeah. And I didn't do that math, but seeing it, I just it just made me sigh a little bit, a sigh of relief because you can't really do three and six, and it makes sense with fourteen teams. But however it works, if you do the ten years, you play significantly more than you do currently. Yeah. Because the Big Ten, the SEC, a lot of them have teams that don't they don't only play like once every ten years, where this time you would play I think it's like three times or something like that every ten years, three or four times, whatever the number is. Um, and that's it's a lot fun. It, yeah. it, like I can't even like Ohio State played Illinois recently, but before that, and that's a rivalry game, right? Like it, it's uh, there are cross division rivals like Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan State, Minnesota. I think it's Michigan State, Minnesota, but you'll see those games more often. Um, it, it's just I we we've both said it for quite some time. Like the divisions are truly archaic and like. Just it's time to move past them. Yeah, and a lot of times it's just like essentially and someone pointed it out because they looked it up. I think it was Andy Staples. Basically, they just did that so they could have a championship game. Yeah. Like it was a rule that people asked. Well, it wasn't it wasn't some like FCS school brought it up and made it like a thing and then someone else did it and then they made the number arbitrarily 12 but it like I mean you remember like some divisions didn't have some conferences didn't have championship games until 2017 yeah like it wasn't some hard fast rule for a reason it was just like asked for essentially so someone could do something that was different yeah and it is it really uh I mean, I, I liked the divisions at first. I thought it was cool. And then you realize, like, 
yeah, this is not fair. Like, Ohio State's playing three of the best teams in the conference usually every year. One divisional crossover and then Michigan and Penn State. And some teams don't even have that gauntlet of a schedule. Like, this was one, too, and this isn't Ohio State or Big Ten related, but when was the last time Georgia and Alabama played in the regular season? I'm pretty sure that's when a lot of people bring up, and it's been a long time. Yeah. It has been a very long time. Uh, I think Tennessee. There's a there's a, uh, there's a school that hadn't played Tennessee in forever. Yeah, and that's like that's. Now we love the national matchups out of conference, but you want to rotate these big conference games more. Like seeing Wisconsin in the horseshoe, seeing Iowa in the horseshoe. It's a fun experience for students. You know, it's a fun experience for other fan bases to come. Two schools they don't see as often and like you said if you do it over like over four years you should play either almost every single person in the conference either at home or on the road yeah and so i actually just pulled it up if they did the the, the three and six they would play the other opponents six times in a 10-year period yeah so that's insane that's significantly more than they're playing and now you have I mean, that's just better for the conference. I don't know how you could look at that and think, yeah, no, we need to keep divisions. You can't. I mean, like, you literally can't look at that and say it's not a good thing. Yeah, so I think I think it's fun. I think it's final. Finally, uh, the I mean, the NCAA doesn't have much life left. So, I mean, at least some of the final stuff they're doing is okay. I, I agree 100%. Like, you're going to go out at least if go you're out on, on your a positive note. Yeah, like, just get rid of the stupid stuff, essentially. And needing divisions is stupid. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, so let's get into our final thoughts here. Uh, you saw it this week. I saw it this week. Everybody saw it this week. It's pretty big news. Uh, some guy at CBS Sports had Will Levies as the number one draft pick in his mock draft. Not number one quarterback taken. Not first quarterback taken in the second round, the number one overall draft pick in the entire draft. Final thoughts on that. Uh, I talked about this on the Big Ten podcast, and before he wasn't number one, he was just in the first round. I have nothing to say about them mocking him number one because it's just complaining about people knowing absolutely nothing about football, which is fine. The only thing that I have to say is he could be at Penn State. Instead, they have Sean Clifford for the seventh right. year. He's much better than Sean Clifford. I don't care when he's drafted. I don't care what people are saying. People are stupid. We all know CJ Stroud's the best quarterback in the country. We don't have to go over that. Although, let's be honest, in like six weeks, I'm going to be arguing that on every show, and you're going to be like, remember when you said it doesn't matter? Yeah, I know. I, I lied to you. I'm sorry. It's just me. I'm, I'm going to get mad about it eventually, and I'm going to yell summer. about it. I didn't get mad at stuff we shouldn't even but, be talking yeah. about. But for today, I'm not going to get mad at it. All I'm going to say is he could be at Penn State. Penn State is one of the most underachieving programs in the country, and I think James Franklin's a good coach. I think he just gave up on Penn State because he thought he was going to get the USC job. Now he's got 10 more years there. State, yeah, I hope for Penn State's sake he locks back in because choosing Sean Clifford over Will Levis should be one of the worst mistakes you could ever make. And if Will Levis goes number one or number five or literally just – in front of Anyone, Sean Clifford. Yeah. I mean, Sean Clifford's not getting drafted. But if he goes in the first round at all, 
Yeah. Well, James Franklin needs to answer for that. So that's my thought. I'm not going to get into my draft. Not yeah. yet. Uh, Wait until July. I'll yell about it in July. Yeah. <laughs> so my final thought, like, I actually like Will Levis. He was really fun to watch last year. But, like, <sighs> I mean, the stats weren't really first round. He was like, like Josh Allen, when he got drafted in the first round, averaged like 11 yards per attempt, which is like pretty high. Uh, Will Levis averaged like six yards per attempt or eight yards per attempt and like six yards per completion. Like, that's not great. No. I think that would be the other round. I think it was eight yards per completion and six yards per attempt. But regardless how the math works, it was an average stat. It was a below average stat, actually, for a first-round pick at quarterback. But I will say he's big. He's 6'4", 6'5", 240 pounds. He's incredible athlete. Like, I was actually surprised because, like, when I, when I see stuff like that, I don't want to be one of those people who just jumps on someone, you know? Like, I don't want to just be like, oh, you're stupid for thinking this. I kind of want – like, sometimes it makes me rethink and reevaluate how I see a player, and I went and watched him, like – you know, he's got a strong arm. It's inconsistent, but he, he's a good athlete. He's like a really good athlete. I don't think this he's, is the thing. I don't think he's Josh Allen though, and I think that's where a lot of people jumped on. Six four strong arm, Josh Allen. Yeah, and that's what I said on the podcast. I said he's who you want if you're trying to find a Josh Allen replacement. Not a replacement if you're trying to find the next Josh Allen. The issue is you should never look at sports like that. Yeah. But what I will say, because you should, if you, if you know how the NFL thinks, you'll understand. The NFL thinks that they can turn anyone into anything. They're very As long as you have the size and the traits. I could very easily see him get drafted before Bryce Young, even though Bryce Young is the better athlete and he's going to have the more prolific numbers. And it's solely because Bryce Young is six, six feet, feet 190 pounds. Yeah. He says he's 190. I don't believe it. And, and um, Will Levis is 6'3, 6'4, 225. So. If he has people. a good year, if he has a good year, and then he tests well at the combine, there is going to be smoke and things saying that he's going to be the number one pick and things like that. But I genuinely believe that all honestly, all he. So I looked at his numbers. I think he had like thirty eight hundred yards or twenty eight hundred yards. 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, something like that. If he throws for 3,300 yards, 25 to 30 touchdowns, and no more than 12 interceptions, he's a first-round draft pick yeah. because they're going to say he's in an NFL offense, he takes care of the ball, He's may- maybe he becomes the guy who you can't start right away, but if he has above-average stats he, and low interceptions at 6'4", 220, he's absolutely getting drafted in the first round. Would he have been the first quarterback taken in this last draft? I I, I think yes, 100%. Ooh, that's a good question. So, hmm. Him or Kenny Pickett if you're Pittsburgh? Mm. Okay. I don't know if I'll say first. Off of last year because he didn't have a great year, but he would have been the second for sure, and he would have been taken in the first round. He wouldn't have fell like everyone else because they're like even if he wasn't perfect, again they're gonna look and say that he's six three, two twenty five with a strong arm. They're gonna draft him off that. They've drafted quarterbacks for less, like yeah. to be honest. And the difference is you can't turn uh, Sam Howell into a tight end if Will Levis doesn't work out. You've got a second four year career for him turning him into a tight end. Yeah, the other thing, though, that's important about him 
is he was pretty accurate. Yeah, he was not. He was not, not, bad. Was not in college. He's got to so, work on again, his deep ball, but overall, like he did have the ability to like thread his throws to all three levels at times. Yeah. So they're going to look at it and they're going to say he has the two things you can't teach, the three things. He has height, he has weight, he has accuracy. All of his other blemishes, they're going to believe that they can teach. Like, you can't make Baker Mayfield 6'3". You can't make, you know, somehow Josh Allen became more accurate, but, like, you can't make Lamar Jackson more accurate. He has decent accuracy. He has the size and the weight he's going to get drafted. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, because we're talking about him, I just want to say it because I said it on the other podcast. Watch out for Aiden O'Connell as a potential first-round pick because I thought he was little. Yeah, I thought he was. I did not know how big he is, and he, Aiden O'Connell, because I was talking about it on the podcast, and I don't want to steal the whole podcast. Yards, honestly, it. But that's it. Either way, um, Aiden O'Connell is 6'3", 210. We already said what that means. We already said what that does. But listen to this. This is what, this is what shocked me, okay? He threw... He threw the ball for 71%. Like, that's what C.J. Stroud did. I th- that The way I sounded that, the way I said that sounded so, like, chunky. That's weird. His accuracy, his completion percentage. Oh, my God, it sounded like I've never talked football before. His completion percentage. Like, it was like, he threw the ball for 71%. Like, what does that mean? Aiden O'Connell last year threw the ball for uh, 3,700 yards at 71%, 71.6. So someone's going to round that to 72. 100%. That's what uh, I do. Completion percentage. He had an 8.4 average, and he only he threw 28 touchdowns and 11 interceptions at Purdue. Yeah, I mean, he had some, he had some flaws for sure. But if he does that again, first-round pick. I honestly... I know we're talking about Will Levis, but be on the lookout for Aiden O'Connell in the first round next year. You I could legitimately see four or five quarterbacks be taken in the first round next year, because you're going to get the timetable on some teams uh, where the quarterbacks expired. Yeah. I I need to stop telling people that Aiden O'Connell is going to be a first-round pick because I need him to fall to the Colts. Like, I need him to be, like, the fourth or fifth guy taken in, like, the 20s, and we get him, because I actually do really like him. Yeah. Um, let him run behind Matt Ryan. Similar oh, build, honestly. Right. You, know you 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 get what I'm get you get what I'm getting at here. Yeah, but I, yeah. So I, I think I honestly let's let's end on it before we talk about it too much and give everyone, give our our industry secrets <laughs> away. All our secrets, yeah. I can't uh, do that. That's it. That's it for me. You guys can follow me at Chris Rainey CFB, and then you can follow the show at Buck Off Pod. Jordan, where do we find you at? You can find me at JordanW330. I don't know when my article is coming out, but it will be posted on the Land Grant account and on my account. So please, yeah, please check it out. Uh, we I work think, hard I on the articles. It, we do. And I think it's something that not a lot of people are talking about. So hopefully I sway some opinions on our, our guy, Corey Dennis. We have we really honestly synergized like the first 45 minutes of our episode with the articles we wrote. Yeah, which we don't normally do, but they were just like they're just you know, fun to talk about. Um, yeah, so and they were newsworthy. So yeah, I think it was good. It was a fun show today. If you guys stuck with us this whole time, you guys hopefully you had fun. Uh, but that's it for me this week. I'll see you guys next week. As always, go Bucks.